Great, uh, great to see you here as we kick off uh, another fall season. You know, I, I said this in the early service. Um, every year in September, we have a lot of the same conversations. You know, uh, sometimes you just need to be reminded of certain things. And particularly in a time like September when seasons are changing, and I don't know about you, but if you, if you have kids, teens, or young adults that are transitioning with school, then you feel the changing of the seasons quite dramatically in September. It's like everything changes, routines, schedules, got to buy the crayons, all of that stuff, right? And, uh, but if you don't have any kids or anything like that, even though you don't feel it as dramatically, September's still a time when we sort of set routines and schedules. And it's really, really important to be reminded of some, some key and important things. And so, so this week we're starting uh, a message series for three weeks called Circle Up. It really, the point of this is really to have a, a circle up, which is a type of gathering where you kind of, kind of have a huddle and you sort of come around uh, some of the same ideas we've talked about year in and year out. We kind of maintain and tune up our hearts as we head into the fall. And there's some things that we want to talk about. Um, today as we kind of kick this um, kick this week off and, and start fall well. I hope all the kids have had a good uh, first week of school and transitioning well in all those ways, which is, which is awesome. Uh, so again, today and over the next few weeks, we're not really going to talk about new things. We're going to be reminded of important things, and we're going to sort of reset. And, and that's kind of the idea. Uh, the title of my message today as we kick things off is um, Finding Your Center. And uh, I know when you I looked at this phrase, you know, finding your center, and I immediately thought of yoga. I don't know why. You know, it's like, hmm, find your center. Because if you've ever done yoga, um, it's all about balance and all this kind of stuff. And you might even say finding your center emotionally, you know, like, where's my center? Kind of center myself, all this stuff. That's not what we're talking about, okay? So you can put your yoga pants away. What we're going to talk about is finding your center. We're going to talk about what is at the heart, what is at the center of your life. That's the, the big idea. I do want you to notice, though, the, the spelling of the word center. I think it's really important because it's going to bug a few of you. Uh, this is spelled the correct way. Uh, last night, thank you, thank you, yes. Uh, we have some, some teachers in the room. Uh, I was, I was sitting with my sermon notes last night looking over them, and my, my wife, Jessica, was in bed and with me, and she's looked at my notes, and she's like, you spelled center wrong. And I said, no. So we had to search it on YouTube or Google, whatever it was. We looked on Google, and we had to kind of figure out um, what's the right way. And apparently, C-E-N-T-E-R is the American English way, which makes sense because, like, my word, you know, application, it always tries to autocorrect to the American spelling instead of the Canadian one. Someone was telling me after, after the first service that, you know, you can actually change that. And I thought, well, that would be 10 minutes of my life. And I would rather just complain and hit ignore every single time I spell this word. So anyway, it's important to remember that, uh, you know, we love our American brothers and sisters to the South. Uh, but our history, our nation's history actually comes with a constitutional monarchy connected to Great Britain and to the Queen and the royal family, who of course uh, lost Queen Elizabeth II uh, this past week, so we're, we're certainly thinking uh, about all those that are impacted by that. I, I looked up a few things about Queen Elizabeth. She's a fascinating woman, and um, one of the things that really struck me was the fact that she was in her office as Queen for over 70 years. Like, who does anything for 70 years? Like, it's, it's remarkable the longevity with which she has served uh, her country and uh, the British Empire as the Queen, which is really fascinating. I also learned a couple of interesting facts about the Queen that you may not know. It was on a kid's website, so I know you guys are going to love it. Um, the, the first thing I found out is that the Queen is the only person in England who's allowed to drive a car without a license. 
That's kind of cool, right? And she did. She drove until she was quite old, and she drove herself around, which is pretty awesome and probably scary for her bodyguards. The, there was, uh, there was a, uh, one interesting story about um, the queen where she went to Scotland incognito. So she was kind of like uh, not there. She was just kind of traveling around, and she ran into some American tourists who didn't recognize her. So they're talking to the queen. They don't know it. And they asked her, they said, have you ever met the queen? And she just pointed at her bodyguards and went, they have. And I thought, that's amazing. That is so great. Um, awesome, awesome stuff. So the, the title of, of today's message is Finding Your Center. And we're talking about finding uh, what is central to your life and central to your heart. So this, is, this is diagram is going to represent you. Okay, If you're sitting with somebody, just turn them and be like, that's you. I know some of you are thinking, it looks like an onion, right? And that's because you're complicated, okay? That's because there's many layers to you. And it's true, like, we all have things in our lives, and we have all these different layers to our personality and our desires and our value systems, and everyone is unique, and the layers are unique. But there's always something at the center of you. There's something, there's a central axis on which your life revolves. And you may not even know what it is, but I assure you it's there. And, and the question we really want to be asking is, what is at the center of your life? Like, I think this is a, something that's worth talking about on a regular basis. Like, okay, what is at the center of my life? What is the central thing? What do I love most? What do I value most? Where do I turn to in every situation? Those are the types of things that we want to talk about today as we ask, what is at the center of your life? Now, the Bible, because we're going to turn to the scriptures in just a moment, The Bible does not use the the language of center, certainly doesn't spell it with the R-E, okay? The Bible doesn't use the word center, the Bible actually talks about something that we call the heart. And and when you see Bible verses about the heart, on a a few occasions it's talking about the physical organ, right? In the sacrifices and stuff, but generally speaking, when the Bible talks about your heart, it's talking about your center, your spirit, your soul, the real you, the thing that you love and value most, and that's what we're talking about today. And so we're going to turn uh, to a scripture that's, that's a favorite of mine. And it says this in Proverbs 4, verse 23. It says, above all else. Which, when a scripture says above all else, it means more important than anything else. So this is more important than your health. It's more important than your money. It's more important than your relationships. It's more important than your retirement savings. It's more important than whatever it is you're thinking about. It's above it. Here's what the scripture says. Above all else, guard your, say it with me, heart. Guard your heart, your center. Why? Why is it so important to guard our heart? Well, scripture tells us, for everything you do flows out of your heart. Did you know that whatever is at the center, whatever you love and value most, will actually, over time, begin to impact and permeate and touch every other aspect of your life? Like, if you love something most, it's going to impact your relationships, It's going to impact where you spend your time, where you spend your money, who you hang out with. All of it gets impacted by the thing that's at the center. And so what happens is the thing that is at the heart of your life will slowly radiate and permeate out into every single area of your life. And uh, so, you know, I was thinking about this. I had uh, years ago when I was a young man, I bought my first car. It was a 1986 Honda Accord four-door. I loved that car. It was, it was my first car. I cleaned it, polished it. It was, it was a really great car. And I remember I, I had the car. It was a Honda Accord, which is a biblical car, as you might know, because in Acts chapter 2, all the disciples were in one Accord. So that's all I got for you for the Bible car jokes, the only one. Um, 
But I had this Honda Accord, and I remember I, like, everything was great. I had the new tires on. I'm driving down the road, and slowly what started happening is there was this vibration. And I'd look over, and the passenger seat, the headrest would be going like this as I'm driving. I thought, I don't think that's right. But, of course, I ignored it like an 18-year-old, 19-year-old guy would. And I kept driving, and eventually my seat started shaking. And I started to wonder, what, like, what's wrong with my car? I was afraid to take the mechanic because I thought maybe he would say, it's your transmission, it's your chassis, your car is no good. But in the end, the mechanic took a look at it, and uh, it's funny because it's a, such a small thing. My, one of my tires was really badly out of balance, which means the center's off. And if the center of a tire's off, instead of spinning nice and smooth, it goes it wobbles and bounces around, right? So it was affecting everything in the car, and he was like, this is not a big deal. And he put it on the machine, and they put these little weights on it to counterbalance so this thing would be in balance, and I drove off and like, this is the best 50 bucks I ever spent. My car is now driving the way it should drive. And so this message is really, we're talking about finding our center. And I'm, I'm assuring you that for every person in the room, there's some small adjustment to be made. And if you don't have the heart right, if the center isn't correct, you will feel the vibrations of that thing being out of balance throughout your life. You'll feel it in your marriage. You'll feel it with your friends. You'll feel it at school. You'll feel it everywhere. Um, because something is out of balance and something is out of alignment. So... One day, Jesus is um, out doing ministry, and one of the religious leaders comes up to him and asks him a really interesting question. He, he asks Jesus, he says, what is the greatest commandment? And of course, he was testing Jesus to, to see what he would say. And Jesus responds with, with this, and I know many of you know this, you could probably recite it, but let's, let's look at it again. He says, you shall love the Lord your God. So the, the first commandment, the most important thing you can do, Leaving this church today is this. Love the Lord your God. Now, I want to do a show of hands. This is just a, something fun. Uh, if this isn't you, please don't feel pressure to put up your hands and fit in. The first commandment is that we should love the Lord your God. How many would honestly say, that's my desire, I want to love the Lord? Put up your hand. Let me see. Okay, so that's most people in the room. For those that didn't put up your hand, thanks for being honest. That's cool. The rest of us are about to join you. Okay, because Jesus doesn't stop there because if all he said was I want you to love the Lord we'd all be like yeah We like that we're doing that But Jesus is going to qualify that statement and again, you know this but he says you will love the Lord your God with let's say it together All your heart with all your soul and with all your mind How many people in the room honestly say I do that? Okay, there's just a few people putting up their hands and that's cool, but you see the difference because all of a sudden, with the qualifications, like, ooh, maybe there's some adjustments to be made. Maybe I do love the Lord, and maybe I do want Him to be at the center of my life, but maybe I'm not always hitting it right on the mark. You're with me, okay? So we're talking about what is at the center. He co- continues to say this. He says, this is the great and first commandment. So before, in fact, if you go to the Old Testament, you look at the Ten Commandments, do you know what the first one is? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. So he's like, actually, the first commandment in the Old Testament was God first and then everything else. Jesus is reiterating it here again. He says, this is the first greatest commandment, love the Lord. And the principle behind all of this is a principle you find throughout Scripture, and it's this. God must be first. Must be first. And so the ideal scenario is this, that this is you, and God wants to be at your center. He wants to be the thing you value most, the thing you love most. He wants to be the thing that's determining how you spend your time and how you engage with those around you. He wants to impact every area of your life. And the temptation for all of us is to be like, 
I get that, but God would be fine like in like maybe the second or third tier, right? Like, isn't it good to have some God and some of this and some of that? And Jesus says, absolutely not. That's not how this works. I must be first. And that's really the principle that I wanted to share with you. He continues, uh, we're not going to spend much time on this, but he says, a second command is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So next Sunday, as we kick off small groups, we're going to talk about the role of loving others and how we interact with and how we need one another. So today, we're going to move a little bit past that. So the question we're asking ourselves is this. How do you know? How do you know if God is the center of your life? How do you know? Um, I've wrestled with this a lot. Because as I just said, most of us are like, yeah, I want to love God with my heart, soul, mind, and strength. But how do you know if you're actually doing it? How do you know if he's at the center or something else has drifted into that place where God belongs? How do you know? Great question. The best answer I can come up with is this. You will not know until you're forced to choose between God and something else. I remember when I was in Bible college, I read a book called Fox's Book of Martyrs. And if you've ever read this really old book, it it chronicles the lives of real Christians who were flogged, beaten, crucified, torn asunder, like all the stories of martyrs throughout history who were faced with the decision of either recant Jesus and, and, and turn away from him and live or die. And they were like, Jesus, and they took death. It's crazy. And I remember in Bible college when I get bored and the professor's like, rah, 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 rah. some of you are doing that right now. You're like, whatever. And I remember I'm sitting there and I would start to imagine myself, you know, being a minister. And then someone comes in with a gun and puts a gun in my head and is like, recant Jesus or die. And I'd be like, Jesus. And I would like, you know, I would choose. But the truth is, we don't know. We don't know what we do. I know that many times in my life, I was like, God, I'm going to do things your way. And then I chose to do them my own. I know that when push came to shove, I made wrong choices. And I'm sure some of you have as well. So how do we know if he's really the center and the, and the real the real answer to that is we'll know when we're challenged to make a decision where we have to pick between him and something else. And whatever wins is at the center. Which is why there's this conversation that Jesus has with, uh, we don't know his name. We call him the rich young ruler. And it's found in, in Mark 10. And this young man comes to Jesus and says, hey, I'm keeping the law. I'm doing good things. How do I enter the kingdom of God? And Jesus says, you lack one thing. Go sell all that you have. Give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Jesus says, sell everything, give it all away, and then come be my disciple. That's a pretty cool ask. Imagine this guy wouldn't be nameless. He'd he'd be one of Jesus' followers. He would be known. Uh, But what the story tells us is that this, this young man went away sad because he was very wealthy. And he was unwilling to give up his wealth in order to follow Jesus. So in our image, it would look like this. Even though he was trying to do all the good Christian things and trying to keep the law and be kind, money was at the center of his life. And when Jesus said, you can have me or the money, he said, I'm going to stick with my money. And you might be like, God doesn't want me to have money. No, that's not what I'm saying. He doesn't want money to have you. Right? He wants to be at the center so that your money is used for the things that he has invited you to use it for. It's very, very different. So this was the issue. The issue was the center. And, and so some of you are like, well, no problem. I don't have any money. <laughs> no problem. It's not a, money's not a big deal for me. But I assure you, there's something. There's something that will vie and wrestle with you for the center of your heart. So I have to give you a little bit of fair warning. <laughs> Hard verses ahead. 
Okay? Uh, these Bible verses we're about to read are not, um, not for the faint of heart. Not at all. And um, they're, they're pretty severe, in fact. It's, it's shocking, maybe the first time you read this, to go, Jesus really said that? Yeah. Here's what he says. He turns to his disciples and he says to them, Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Jesus is like, if you have to pick between your parents and me, it better be me. <laughs> Some of you are like, I don't even like my parents. Not a problem, Jesus. But if you love your father and your mother and your siblings and extended family, that's a big deal. It's like, really? God, you want me to love you more than them? And he says, yes. Okay? Maybe if you're like, that's not for me, we move on to the next. He says, whoever loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And if you have kids, that hurts. <laughs> because as a parent, you love your kid more than anything, or your kids, and you want them to flourish. And you would give up anything to support them and help them. And Jesus is like, you have to love me more than your kids. That's heavy. That's severe. Some of you are like, I don't like my parents, and I don't have any kids. Not a problem. Um, Jesus is like, anything at the center, even if it's a good thing. Having a family-centered life and loving your family well is a godly thing, but it can't take the place of God. Does that make sense? And if none of those are a problem for you, he continues with this. It's kind of the catch-all. Whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. If you're not willing to give up everything, if you are not willing, I had a little picture here of whatever it is that would be center of your life, Jesus says it needs to be me. It can't be anything else. That's so severe. That's so strong. And then he he finishes with this. He says, whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So he's like, if you take whatever's at the center of your life and you push it out of the way and you put me in that place, he's like, you're going to find life. Everything's going to work. It's it's going to work the way it was intended. But if you put anything else at the center other than me, you're going to go through life vibrating down the highway like my Honda Accord. Because nothing will work right because it's out of balance. It's out of sync. It, it, it doesn't work that way. And so this is, again, really strong passages. This blows me away. Jesus does not suggest that he be first. He's not like, I think it's a good idea if you give me the center of your heart, if you make me the center of your life. Jesus doesn't say that. He demands it. That's strong. Would you agree? Everyone's just looking at me like, yeah, that's heavy, Pastor. Yes. He demands it. And that gets me thinking, why would Jesus demand to be first? Why, why isn't it okay if you just share the center of your heart with Jesus and your kids? Why not? Sounds good, right? A little bit of Jesus, a little bit of your kids. Jesus says to the, the churches in Revelation, he says, hot or cold, nothing in between. It's me or else. And you go, why? Why would you? Is he, is he, is he self-conscious? Like, is he needy? Does he, does he ha- like, why would Jesus have to be first? And, and, To answer that question, I have to kind of share with you a theological term, okay? And the theological term is the preeminence of Christ. The preeminence of Christ. It's a big word, big theological. But the word preeminent literally means first, most, above all. That's really what it means. Pre, before, eminent being the highest place. So before and higher than all. And the scriptures teach us that God is preeminent and that Christ is preeminent. Which means he is first. Not he came in first. Like, I like to be first at things. I'm a very competitive person. And some of you know me. You've played, my kids have played board games with me. They, if they win, they beat me fair and square. Because I'm not giving an inch to anybody. I'm very competitive. I like first. I like ribbons. I like trophies. Some of you are like, well, I'm first born. So that's something. Like, you're like first. We all have been first. And it feels pretty good, right? 
Jesus didn't just like achieve something to become. He is first. Like it's who he is. He can't be second. And if he's second, he doesn't fit there because he's first. He's before everything. And so that's why when we, when it comes to Jesus, we can't put him second in our life and be like, oh, that should work. It won't fit because he's preeminent. He is, he is first. That's who he is. Okay. So I don't know if that's, if I explained that well, but he's first. That's, that's where he is. That's all he can do. It's the only place he can be in our lives. All right. Here's what Paul says to the Romans. I love this. He says, who has known the mind of the Lord or has been his counselor? Another big term. The Bible teaches us uh, in scripture that, G, that God is omniscient. That's the word I'm looking for. Omniscient, which means omni, okay, science, knowledge. So he has all knowledge. That's what that means. Omniscient. He all knowledge. So in other words, you can't be like, hey, God, I wanted to let you know something. He's like, what? <laughs> like you can't surprise him. Hey, I got this great idea. I never thought of that before. Light bulb moment. He's never had one. He knows everything. He's, he's omniscient. And not only that, he's omnipotent. He has all power. He's created all things. So who has given him a gift that he might be repaid? Like everything that we could possibly give him, including our own bodies, he made. It's like, it's like oh, here I, got, I gave this to you, God. Like, I'm giving you my money. He's like, actually, it's mine. All of it's mine. Right? What could we teach him? Nothing. What could we give him? Nothing. And then this incredible statement, okay, um, about Jesus. It says, for from him, he's the source. Through him, he's the agent. And to him, he's the destination of all, are all things to him be glory forever and ever. Amen. What Paul is saying is that Jesus is first. And everything he created, and he created through him, and he's created for him. And it's so like, think about this. The whole universe is this big circle. It's a cycle. And it starts with God, and it works through God, and it returns to God. He's everything. The whole thing. Some of you, okay, some of you kids, you've seen The Lion King. It's the circle of life. You know the song. What is the circle of life? It begins from him, and then it goes through him and to him. Your life. Think about this. God created you, knit you together in your mother's womb. And then you come into life and he's at work through your life. And then one day we'll stand before God at the end of time. It's this huge circle that begins and ends with him. And it's all for him and through him and to him. Big circle. And he's at the center of it all. So that's the way the universe works. Imagine trying to make the center of your life something else. You're out of alignment with the universe. That sounded very new age. But you understand the context. That's the way it's... He must be... He must be first. Now, God doesn't just want to be first because he, he's arrogant. He wants to be first in your life because that's the only way your life will work. That's the only way it works. Notice, I read to you... We read together uh, what Jesus said to the rich young ruler. But I want you to see what he said before it. Look at this. And Jesus, looking at this young man loved him and said, go sell your possessions and come follow me. Jesus wasn't like, oh yeah, I want you to be poor. Jesus wanted to be at the center of his heart because he knew that was the only thing that would produce the life that this young man desired. And he was unwilling to do it. And Jesus loved him. And Jesus loves you. And God loves you. And God knows that if he's not at the center of your life, nothing else will satisfy You'll be going through life and you'll be trying this relationship on. You'll be trying this identity on. You'll be trying this career. You'll be trying this, you know, achievement. And all of those things will never satisfy because he's not at the center. 
It's out of alignment with the way it was created to be. One of my favorite verses of all time is found in Proverbs 3, verse 5. I, uh, I often share this with people. It's kind of been my life first for, for many, many years. It says this, trust in the Lord. Let's say it together, with all your heart. It's the same message, right, all through the scriptures. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. God's like, I want to be at the center. And do not lean on your own understanding. It's essentially saying this, God wants to be here. And you need to trust him and continually place him here. Now, the reason why I love this passage is because it says, lean not on your own understanding. And I'm a pretty logical thinker, and I'm always strategizing. And so I find myself, instead of trusting God, trying to figure things out myself trying to do it in my own strength. So this verse just reminds me, God in the middle, God in the middle, God in the middle, trust him, love him most. Don't let your kids, don't let your career, don't let what people think become the center that impacts every area of your life. It has to be God. It has to be God. So, so that's why I love this passage. But then I love what it says next, because it goes on to say in, let's say it together, all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll make straight your path. What that means is if he's the center he will literally radiate out into every other area of your life. Like you can't have God at the center of your life and heart and love him most and not have it change the way you treat people and how you spend your time and your money and, and how you treat your family, your extended family, your kids, your spouse. It's all impacted when he gets there. And if you try to fix all this stuff out here without addressing the central issue, you're going to just be running in circles, so to speak. It won't work. It won't work. And once you get God in the center, then you start shuffling all these other aspects of your life. And slowly but surely, your life becomes uh, changed and transformed. Now, when I was a kid growing up in church, I felt like when you came into church, they were like, start giving, start volunteering, get your life right, you know, stop, you know, drinking, smoking, whatever it was at the time. It was like, these, get all these behaviors right, and then you'll be a Christian. And that's the exact opposite to what the gospel teaches. We start here. You make Jesus the Lord of your life with your life a mess, with your addictions, with your problems. And and what happens is when you put God there, the spirit of God begins to work and transform you. Okay, so it's not behavior modification. It's heart transformation that leads to behavior modification. Does that make sense? So if you get this right, over time, God's spirit will help you get the rest right. And that's what we want to, as a church, give space and time for people to grow in their faith. To keep putting God first and then slowly allow all these other areas um, sort themselves out. Is this helping anybody today? Yeah. Uh, there was an early church father named Augustine. And uh, he actually, he actually uh, taught some really interesting things. He talked about how sin is loving the wrong things or, or a disordered love. So what he said was like, God wants you to love your family. He wants you to love your friends. You know, there's nothing wrong with money. There's all these good things that God gives us. But if you love any of these things more than him, it's a disordered love. It becomes sin. And so he called people to rearrange their loves, to put God at the center and then allow him and his word to determine how you organize the rest of your life that impacts everything else. Is that making sense? So I'm going to invite Diana to come up and, and play for me as we close out. I want to share, I want to share a story as we close, close that I think um, I think will be really helpful. And over the past, give you a little bit of a little bit of background. Give you a little bit of background. Over the past uh, six weeks, I have had terrible shoulder pain. You know, my, my family would tell you I've been really whiny about it because um, I, I had this I had this pain uh, that was coming from my shoulder, and uh, it was literally causing pain and tingling and numbness through my entire arm 
And I would, you know, at, I'd try to sleep in just the smallest movement, and I would be, this pain would shoot down my arm, and I couldn't, couldn't play sports, I couldn't do, I couldn't sleep at night, like it was really bothering me. And, um, and I was beginning to worry, because, um, you know, I tried hot, I tried cold, I tried anti-inflammatories, I tried stretching, I tried rolling, I tried massaging, I tried, you know, everything you can imagine, and I even took two weeks of holidays and did nothing, like sat and read books. And my shoulder didn't get any better. And I started to be concerned that uh, something terrible was, was wrong. Um, I went online, because that's what you do when you have physical problems. And to self-diagnose with the help of the internet, found out I have, you know, tuberculosis and <laughs> stage 2 diabetes and all kinds. Of, anyway, you, you don't do that. Just don't do that. Don't diagnose yourself. Um, so... <laughs> Oh, irritable bowel syndrome, whatever. Um, so I went on, and after trying that and trying everything I could, I finally, you know, went to see the family doctor. And they, they ran me through a bunch of tests, you know, trying to move my arm in different directions and said, okay, um, basically, there's nothing I can do for you. But the doctor said, I want to recommend that you go to physio because maybe they can pinpoint uh, an issue with a muscle or tendon or whatever. So, okay, here we go again. Like, Six weeks of struggling with this. Finally got an appointment, went in to see the physio and went through the whole process explaining what was going on. And I'm like, the problem's here. The elbow, the hand, the shoulder. I think it's my rotator cuff. I'm telling him all my self-diagnosis, which is, again, great. Medical professional. He's just smiling, taking notes. He's like, you lay down on your stomach on this bench? Yeah, I'm going to lay down. He's pushing around my back and finds a really sore spot up here. I'm like, oh, that really hurts. He's like, yeah, I barely touched it. And he's like, so he sits me down. He says, I know what your problem is. He's like, and I can fix it right now. I'm like, you're kidding me. No, you're kidding me. He says, yeah. So apparently, okay, pardon me. I'm not a biologist at all. But your ribs connect at the front of your sternum, and they wrap around your body, and they connect to your spine, and they move, right? You breathe, and you move, they flex and move. One of my ribs on the back up here was locked, was stuck in position, was out of position, and it was pinching the nerve. That was, so I'm like, the problem's here. He's like, actually, the problem's back here. And uh, he's like, we're just gonna we're gonna snap that rib free. You're gonna be good. And I'm like, sounds too good to be true. So sure enough, he rolls me up in a ball and does this thing and compresses it and cracks. And I'm good to go. I could never have imagined it could be so simple. And the reason why I say that is because um, something was out of alignment, was not where it should be. And it's amazing how I was trying everything to fix it myself, and there was no fixing it because something was out and needed to be put right. And I believe, you know, I came home from the point, I was telling my wife, and I'm thinking, there's a sermon in this. I believe that when something's out of order in your life, specifically if he's not at the center, it doesn't matter what you do or what you try, it will not work. You can't, like... I tried everything, guys. It wouldn't work until it was put back right. And I believe today as we close the service that the Spirit of God would put His finger on your sore spot and be like, this is out of place. And it's going to be something different for everybody. I don't know. It could be financial. It could be relational. It could be uh, addiction. It could be a relationship that's gone south. And, and the Spirit of God would just be like, that's the thing for you that needs to be put right. To be aligned. So that you're not vibrating down the road in your car with your wheel out of line. It, it's incredible. So it's a, it's a small adjustment led by the Spirit of God. 
And um, so today, what I want to do is I want to I want to pray with you. And uh, I don't know what that thing is for you, but if something is taking the place of God, maybe you've never invited Jesus to be the Lord of your life and to be at the center. Today's your day to do that. Or maybe he used to be and, and you've drifted. Um, two questions I want to ask as we close and pray. Is Jesus the center of your life? If you've never invited him to be, be a good time to do it right now. And for those of you who would say, yeah, I'm I, that bullseye, man, I want, I want God right in the center. Are you acknowledging him in all your ways? Is there something out of order in your life that he wants to put his finger on and see a change? Those are the two questions. And so if you'll, if you'll join with me, um, let's pray together. Father, uh, thank you for every person listening to the sound of my voice. Lord, we all acknowledge through the raising of hands that we haven't got this all together. And our aim and our goal is to have you at the center of our lives. Lord, if there's anyone here who has never invited you to be Lord of their life, who has never said, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Come and be Lord. I give you it all. I pray they would do that today. That they would not miss this opportunity to simply say, Jesus, be the center of my life. So simple. It's a request. It's an invitation for you to come in. And so I ask, Lord, that you would do that right now. And Lord, for the rest of us, if there's something out of alignment, would you put your finger on that spot and say, this is what needs to move. And Lord, give us the courage and the boldness and the strength to begin to do the things we know we're called to do. And we pray this all in in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.